Welcome back to another episode of the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. Dustin here, your host. Across the way, across the yard, so close, yet so far away, my co-host, Jake Trowbridge. Jake, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. I'm your, I'm your across-the-way girl, uh, as every 90s R&B song would suggest. That's right. Uh, I'm fantastic over here. Uh, and I can see you through my computer screen, which is just about as good as mm. seeing you in the real room, uh, except that we cannot blow farts at each other. No. It's really, the, I think, the biggest takeaway from all this. It really is. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, great episode tonight. Very excited for this one. Uh, we are doing the NFC North preview slash division breakdown. As everybody knows, all of our listeners, or even if you don't know, we are big Packers homers, uh, so we are we are very excited to talk about them tonight, in particular. But we yes, also we'll have deal with all those other numbskull teams too. We'll that's get right. Those other ones, but yeah, then we'll get to the highlight reel. Of the mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a very special guest on uh, to help us talk about the NFC North and the Packers, Kevin Tompkins. So he will be in. Uh, shortly here to join us. But first things first, Jake, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Black Rocks Nordski. It's a Session IPA. Uh, it's from Marquette, Michigan. Oh, uh, been there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a 4.8% uh, by volume. Nice. So again, Session is right in there. It's for when, you know, you know those days where you just need like 10 of something and that something needs to be beer? Mm-hmm. That's what this is for. That's called every day. <laughs> what are you drinking? <laughs> I am drinking a uh, half acre brewing Pony Pilsner. This comes in at five and a half percent. They're out of Chicago, Illinois. Um, so ni- again, a nice light uh, beer as you want to drink when the weather starts to turn nice and uh, warm. You know what's crazy? We didn't even intend for this, but just by way of what we're drinking, we, we're kind of representing majority of the nfc north we I've are got michigan you've got illinois mm-hmm. uh minnesota can go fuck itself no he's kidding um but but we are so we're stretching out even on this homer episode mm-hmm. already we're giving ourselves a little bit of distance from from the green bay homerism yeah so that's right i mean it, it it makes sense that um we would choose good beers from the states that have shitty football teams so there is that <laughs> <laughs> This is our silver lining. That's right. Uh, because we are about to trash these teams. That's right. All right. So should we get into our most favorite segment ever? God, yes. Let's do it. All right. It's time for the... Drunk. 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 Hammer. Drunk. 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 trade of the week. Take it away, Jake. So this one comes to us from Twitter. It's at Chris Moxley 19. Uh, he put this out there. So first, I just want to set the scene. It's the Adam Sandler gift from the wedding singer singing I Want to Die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his trade, he says, me getting drunk and trading DJ Moore for Cooper Cup in two seconds. So I delved into this just a little bit more because I needed to know what his real thought process was. Uh, or what his computing power was, let's mm-hmm. say, at the time. He says he was five double IPAs drunk. Which is very drunk. Now, I'd say double IPAs, those are high octane. That's right. Now, I'd say you're more than more than feeling it. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely. So what do you think of this? So I would probably take in this, because I don't know which... He, he traded away DJ Moore, I'm, I'm assuming. That's correct. Um, I would take the Cooper Cup side, actually. Uh, I'm assuming the seconds are from this this year. Yeah, that's my assumption, too. He didn't say future seconds, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go at least give him the positive spin of them being this year. Yeah, I would, I would take the Cup side. Uh, as you well know, I'm a big Cup believer. Uh, Cooper Cup isn't that old. I know he's got a few years on DJ Moore, but uh, he is an integral cog of their offense. We don't know what to expect out of DJ Moore in this offense. This year, they've added you know, pieces there with Robbie Anderson. You got Christian McCaffrey. We don't know what the offense is going to look like. Plus, so I, I feel like the wide receivers themselves are fairly close. I think when you when you stat them out and you look at how they ended last year, and I don't have it in front of me, I, I feel like they they ended fairly close in the end of season rankings. And then you're throwing two second round picks on top of it in a very deep draft this year. Uh, I, I like the cup side. Yeah, I think this was presented in such a way that obviously he was anguished about it mm-hmm. uh, as the DJ Moore. Because here, here's the thing. DJ Moore owners are are not always the most uh, level-headed about their love for mm-hmm. DJ Moore. I found if there's one player out there that really gets the people going, uh, it's DJ Moore. And, and so people are full throttle with him. Speaking of how they finished last year, last year it wasn't even close. And it was favoring Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup was the wide receiver four in PPR formats last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, DJ Moore was wide receiver 16 last year. We can cut DJ Moore a lot of slack. I was going to say that if you didn't. <laughs> his QB situation. Yes. So, yeah, I, you can't just look at it as a one-for-one. But the Rams added Van Jefferson mm-hmm. to replace Brandon Cooks. Uh, obviously, Todd Gurley's gone, so there's some influx with the Rams. Teddy Bridgewater's the new quarterback. Or DJ Moore. Uh, so I don't think this is that bad. I, you know, typically we rip the shit out of these drunk trades, but he's done it more than I think either of us have. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think it's a bad trade. Kind of not that he fleeced the other guy, but he definitely, I think, got the the better side of the deal trading away DJ Moore in this specific situation. So, drunk trades are not always bad. No, no. Uh, even. Or at least to the outside world. That's right. The, the, in his head, I'm sure this still sucks and still stinks because it's his guy mm-hmm. that he gave up for what he feels was not enough. But I kind of like it. Yeah, me too. Nice. This is like sipping on the porch uh, a mimosa level of drunk trade. This is, this is a good one. Yeah, I agree. All right. Okay, so we Yay. will... <laughs> So we will uh, go get Kevin, and then we will be right back. Hold on, folks. And we are back, and we have our very special guest to help us talk through the NFC North this week, Kevin Tompkins. Good evening, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great here in the great white north of North Dakota. How are you guys? Can't complain. Superb, because we've already started drinking. So we are doing better than we ever could be. And speaking of, what, what are you enjoying tonight, Kevin? I am enjoying something I gave into with peer pressure, uh, some White Claw uh, wine flavor, thanks to Q 
Jerry had out and the Majukes and a little bit of <laughs> U2 needling me to, to get on the White Claw bandwagon. And now I'm here and I'm loving it. There, you know, so many people give, give people shit, especially guys for drinking the Claw. But I, I'm just going to say, fuck it. I, I love a good Claw. Drink what you drink, and who gives a shit when anybody says? That's, That's right. <laughs> so, Kevin, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where we can find you, etc., etc. Well, you can find me on Twitter at ktompkinsii. I write for FightingChanceFantasy.com. Uh, me and the Scott Fishbowl Nine winner Gary Haddow started a podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, just had our first live stream um, with me, Casey Kasem, and Ryan Hallam, and just uh, starting up the pod stuff and loving it. Nice. That's awesome. Well, you, sir, have got your toes in all of the ponds. I love it. <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so. so you are obviously our, our representative. Uh, you know, me and Dustin had talked about this when we're doing the NFC North. We're going through the whole division breakdowns here. And we had initially talked about having somebody on as a counterbalance for us two Packers homers here, maybe a Vikings fan thrown in the mix, maybe a Lions rep, uh, what have you. And we all really decided, basically, fuck that. We're just going to lean into the homerisms here mm-hmm. uh, and go full on Packers. We're central. You got to do it. <laughs> do Lions fans even exist anymore? I mean, you don't want to associate those. yeah so we will leave our beloved packers till the end here just because i'm sure we could talk for well all night really about them um and as much as i'm sure our our listeners want us to hear and and want us to talk about the packers for hours on end uh we'll, we'll save that we'll save the best for last let's put it that way so uh we'll go through uh basically just talking current roster, free agency moves, any trades, cuts that have been made, uh, review the draft a little bit uh, for each team and kind of give our our thoughts on uh, each team as we go through. So let's start with probably my least favorite team in the division. I'm, I'm not going to speak for either of you, but uh, we'll start with the Vikings. Can you really pick a least favorite in this division, though? Aren't they all kind of like your least favorite children in a way? You know, you can't pick just one, right? Yeah, they're all tied for last. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's first, and then there's a giant gap, uh, and then there's the moon, and then there's all these other goddamn (laughs) Uh, But we can start with Minnesota. Yeah, sure. We have to start somewhere. That's right. (laughs) So, um... Notable losses for Minnesota this offseason. Uh, the, the headliner is Stefan Diggs being traded, uh, which they got just a haul in draft picks back for. And they lost Laquan Treadwell. I guess you could call that a loss. I, I don't know how much uh, <laughs> you guys consider that a loss for them. But um, and then uh, the only real addition through free agents that they've had is Taze Sharp. Um, Kevin, what do you think about uh, those those moves in particular for the Vikings? Well, I mean, Diggs is clearly a loss for the Vikings, you know, but uh, with their, their more emphasis on the run uh, mm-hmm. and them in the draft, uh, drafting his replacement, um, on the out, I would say on the outside and their propensity to, to, to be very low in running 11 personnel. 
Um, I don't think that the move is going to hit as hard on the Vikings as people would think. Diggs is a great player, don't get me wrong. Um, but, I mean, for the haul that they got, I would consider that a win. Uh, for, for somebody that clearly, you know, was taking shots on Twitter and really didn't want to be there and maybe <laughs> kind of overstayed his welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I actually really like that draft pick, um, just to kind of talk ahead a little bit. You know, they picked Justin Jefferson in the first. Um, I actually really like that pick for him, especially since Thielen's starting to get up there a little. I believe he's, what, 28, 29 right now. Um, so he's he's getting to that, that age where the decline is going to start happening sooner rather than later. So by the time that starts happening, I see Justin Jefferson really finding his own and getting into a stride where he will take over as that you know, number one wide receiver on their team. It's interesting what you said, Kevin, about obviously they are more of a run-centric team or at the very least want to be a run-centric team. That's that's what the hope would be. Um, they certainly lean that way last year. And now obviously Diggs is gone. You've got two, essentially, if you want to consider them, really great slot guys uh, in Thielen and Jefferson. Obviously, I know that they'll move them around, and that's you know that's not all they are. But it's interesting because I think this could signal the year of Irv Smith. Like, the more that I look at all these moves, the more of this seems to scream at me to go buy some Irv Smith. Aside from the obvious, but you know, none of those guys seem like screams to go get the ball, you know, to be target hogs. So, do we see a lot more two tight end sets? I mean, we've been seeing two tight end sets. I mean, they run the second most 12 personnel last year, and that was with Rudolph and Irv Smith. And you know, Irv Smith being only, I believe, he's only 21 still, one of the youngest skill position players last year. I mean, the sky's the limit for him. I've been buying him wherever I can, and he's been going pretty cheap considering um, there his, how much time he's seen on the field. Um, I think about a 10th round ADP in startups. Um, I'm buying him all day long. Um, so you get, you got to talk about, like I said, the 11 personnel, how they really don't put three wide receivers on, on the field anymore. You're, you're talking Thielen and Jefferson. Thielen had soft tissue injuries last year, so uh, and is also getting close to 30. We don't really know. If, have, have we seen the best of Adam Thielen? That's certainly, you know, a, a case can be made for that. Mm-hmm. Is there a wide receiver that beyond them, you're like, well, I'll pick this guy up just in case to stash me. I, you know, I would take B.C. Johnson. I, I did like what I saw out of him last year in limited time. Tajay Sharp doesn't really move the needle for me. He's just a jag for all intents and purposes. But, um, yeah, I'll just throw B.C. Johnson on my bench. Whatever happens, if he falls into some targets, great. But I'm not really fixated on either of them. Yeah, and one thing we didn't. Uh, bring up here too is that they did re-sign Kirk Cousins uh, to an extension which obviously gives them the uh, quarterback stability now for the next handful of years which I think was a good move for them as well I don't really see Cousins as the quarterback that that can necessarily win that Super Bowl for you but he's the most consistent thing they've had in a long time yeah I mean that's not saying a lot 
but but it is but it is saying something. Uh, it's not saying enough for me to want to go out and buy him for fantasy purposes, uh, unless obviously people are just throwing him away. Uh, speaking specifically to two QB superflex leagues, uh, it's nice with the extension that you won't have to worry about him. I guess for a couple of years, so you could just slot him on. You know, if he's my second quarterback, mm-hmm. I'm fine with that because I'm fine with just about anybody in that type of contract as my second QB. Um, do we? How? What do we think about? So nothing really changed with the running game, but is Dalvin Cook? say a top five running back this year uh for me he's about on that fringe uh for me you know he was relatively healthy last year way more than you know obviously he was in 18 but um you know i still kind of want to see him play that full season and play you know um you know that offense is tailored to him he's going to get a lot of run um, he's definitely ca- he's capable of being a top three back. I mm-hmm. mean, we, we've seen what he can. He, he looked like the best player uh, I've ever seen the first three four weeks of the season last year. He was dynamic. He was electric. He was that line was doing work for him. And you know, Cook he has receiving upside too. Um, yeah, he could definitely be a top three guy for me. And that offense is only gonna you know tailored around him. This offense is his. He's the engine that makes it move. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm, I'm wondering, though, if they're going to maybe monitor his usage for this season. Since he hasn't been able to stay healthy yet for an entire season, that maybe he wore down towards the end of last year. So maybe they'll learn something from that and and not give him quite as much run earlier in the season. I don't know. I think if they do that, it would, it could very well work out to be an Aaron Jones type year though obviously they did the same thing with aaron jones um not to skip ahead into the Packers stuff here but just to touch on it so obviously his usage has never been his real big selling point uh even last year it's not that he just crushed uh on snaps he did mostly because jamal williams was was hurt uh they were kind of out they had no wide receivers to use but like even if you put him on a limited snap count it's dalvin cook uh, i i would be hard-pressed to have him outside of my top five or six guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely fair. And if and if something were to happen, you know, Madison is a great, great lottery ticket to have, mm-hmm. too, because um, I think he could just, you know, if he he could be a startable, you know, every week set-and-forget guy from what we saw last year, uh, spelling Cook, and when Cook was, you know, when he had to leave the game. I love what I saw out of mm-hmm. Madison. And the big knock on him, you know, was was draft capital. Should he have gone that high? Uh, and I think he proved a lot of people wrong, and he, he's good for this league. Yeah, is absolutely. There, yeah, is there a chance that this looks anything like the Browns' backfield from last year? If they do want to monitor his snaps, they know that they have a really solid running back behind him. Is it, is it possible at all that this is a little bit of a Browns with a Kareem Hunt situation where it gets worked in enough to even be considered a flex play at any point, or is that reaching too far? And I, I don't know if I consider him a flex play. I consider him, he's, he's a top two, three handcuff, you know, definitely. I just don't know if he has standalone value barring an injury. Right. Unless they come out early in the season and he is much more involved than he was last season, then I would definitely try to pick him up if someone hasn't already. 
But other than that, yeah, I don't see him having standalone value either. All right, and then um, we'll just briefly go over their draft picks and see if either one of you want to uh, comment on on those. Uh, we already talked about Justin Jefferson getting picked in the first. Uh, the only other skill position players that they took for offense, uh, they took another wide receiver in the fifth, uh, K.J. Osborne, and then a seventh-round quarterback, Nate Stanley. Obviously not expecting much out of him, but uh, any thoughts about uh, Osborne, either one of you? I have zero to say about K.J. Osborne because uh, I know nothing about K.J. Osborne. I'm sure he's a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, that, that his parents are super proud, I guess. Uh, and, and I hope that uh, he, he contributes to his community. Uh, I hope that he's lovely to old ladies. But aside from that, I, I got nothing. All right. Do either one of you have uh, something to add here for Minnesota before we move on? Yeah, can we talk about how fucking annoying the skull chant is? Can we all just hate on the skull chant for a little bit <laughs> in that goddamn horn? Yeah, yeah it's it's awful. Couldn't you just hypothetically have dedicated enough fans that you're loud enough and you don't need the horn every time you do a mediocre play? I'm just trying to get every Vikings fan to turn us off forever. <laughs> uh, word on the street on twitter.com green green bay's opening up in minnesota week one. Ooh, interesting yeah interesting obviously so the schedule the big dramatic schedule release is uh slated for later tonight after we record here by the time you're listening to this you might already know the dirt but that is interesting and i wouldn't hate it oh absolutely not I'm, yeah i'm only i mean i'm in fargo i'm only three hours away from minneapolis i would have loved that game to be later and not potentially the first game after a you know a pandemic mm-hmm. to <laughs> go to um you know later in the season but we'll see what happens Indeed. yeah well that just means that the vikings are going to be coming to lambo in december which is nice yeah oh yeah let's let's get that action happening i'm fine with that. you know the end of the season is always a divisional game so so that if, if we're in Minnesota here to start the season, they'll be coming to us late. So I like that. Bring it. Bring it, Kirk. All right. So let's move on to the Lions here. Um, at some point, you got to almost feel bad for them because they just haven't had a good season in such a long time. I said almost. I almost. Yeah. Sorry, um, that's... That's fine. So they're notable losses for the season. Again, if these are really notable, uh, they're additions as well. But uh, they lost Jeff Driscoll, J.D. McKissick, and Jermaine Curse, And they only added Chase Daniel through free agency uh, as offensive skill position player. So not much to say there, unfortunately. Um, song remains the same. That, I did not know J.D. McKissick was even on the team, for what it's worth. Yeah, me either. He was probably injured, so that's that's why. Right. Let, yeah, let's skip, let's skip ahead to the draft then a little bit, because that's at least moderately interesting. Yeah, so they took in the second round DeAndre Swift. I, I have to say I was slightly surprised by that pick, only because when Carrion Johnson is healthy, he is a very good running back. Uh, I, I just, I, I figured they would take a running back, just not that early. Um, 
how do you guys feel about that and the effect on that backfield? As far as Swift and John, I mean, I Swift was probably my running back three pre-draft, and consensus now in rookie drafts, he's RB5, potentially RB6 if someone likes Keyshawn Vaughn enough. Um, but the fact that now this is more of an indictment on carry on Johnson's health and being able to stay on the field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's going to be really tough for carry on Johnson now, maybe outside of like a receiving role to, to, to recover some of that value. Because I think Swift, you know, Swift can, you know, he's a pretty good receiver, good blocker, um, really explosive runner. Uh, I, I, I really like Swift, but I'm, I'm still unsure on the landing spot in Detroit just because I know how Patricia likes to be uh, you know, New England Midwest and switch out backs because he still has Johnson if he's healthy. He still has both Scarborough. Um, so uh, do I think Swift is the most talented back out of the three? Absolutely. There's, there's no doubt in my mind about that. It's just I don't know if we're going to be seeing three-down usage right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to see more of a split, at least un- unless someone gets hurt or someone uh, Swift just really shows out and proves he's the man in that backfield. Well, which it's probably a pretty good bet that both those things will happen. Uh, Karrion Johnson will get hurt again, and then he will just obviously show he is the superior back in that uh, team. So I, I, what do you think, Jake? Man, I've, I've just been out on Lions running backs for, like, the last three decades, pretty much. When was the last time Barry Sanders played? I don't know, but that's basically <laughs> the time frame since they've had a quality running back. Uh, back there, even for fantasy purposes, I was still lukewarm on carry-on, uh, even coming into this year prior to the draft, because, yes, he's always hurt. Um, he was totally fine when, when healthy. He was totally fine and totally acceptable. As a, as a running back. He still wouldn't have crept up in my top 12 if it was just him back there, though. There's something about the way that they used it, and Tom, or Kevin, you talked about this. I called you Tom. God, how disrespectful. Um, <laughs> my last name starts with Tom, so you know what? Can I just call you Tom, then, as a nickname? <laughs> does that does that hold water? Tom? Can I call you Tonk? <laughs> you can call me whatever the hell you want. Kevin, I'm just going to call you Kevin. So, but, but you talked about it, though, and the way that they use those running backs back there. Um, you know, and, and it's like, yes, when he came in, they started splitting up even more. But even the last, seriously, two decades, it just feels like you can't get a quality fantasy running back from Detroit. I'm not touching Swift. I understand why he fell down the board for so many people. It's just at a price, sure, I'll take either one of them, but I'm not excited about either. Yeah, yeah, like I've seen Swift fall down in in rookie drafts, and if I had those later picks and he was there, absolutely, I'd take him just based on talent alone. But yeah, like like you said, Detroit running backs after you know the year two thousand. I mean, what do you really have? I mean, there's there's no history there. They've scared off people. You know, you've had all these. You know, you've had guy below who's the guy from Central Florida. I mean. Kevin Smith, I think, or um, you had him, you had, you know, carry on Johnson who can't stay on the field and they draft another the running back. I think Johnson's still only 22 years old or 22 or 23, so that should tell you everything you need to know about how they feel about carry on Johnson. Mm-hmm. Which makes me very sad because I invested in him last offseason 
thinking that he was going to be my kind of cornerstone running back on my team. And that has definitely blown up in my face. <laughs> that is rough. I, that, that is rough. <laughs> I, I feel bad for but you now. you win some, you lose some. So what can you say? And in this particular one, you, you very much lost, and that's fine. That's right. Adult enough to admit it. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then I suppose uh, there are other draft picks we should talk about here. Uh, in the fifth round, they had two fifth rounders. Um, the first one was wide receiver, our boy, I should say Jake and I, I don't know about you, Kevin, but our boy, Quintez Cephas. And then in the fifth also, they took running back Jason Huntley. Any thoughts on either of those two players? I just want to put my Wisconsin Badger Homer hat on for a quick second and say, yes, I'm glad that Quintez finally got signed uh, somewhere. He fell further than I thought he would in the draft, honestly, the way that they were hyping him up before the draft. Uh, there is a couple of cornerbacks who talked about who the, the toughest wide receiver they've ever covered was, and it was Quintez. Um, they've got old guys at wide receiver there now, so that's kind of the foot in the door for Quintez is Marvin Jones is getting up there. Maybe he can wait it out. Danny Amdola, obviously very much up there. Uh, he, he could work on one of those spots, potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cephas is a, no, is a nice developmental guy for them. And, you know, with the kind of raw turnover at wide receiver, he could, you know, he could fit in and be a third or fourth wide receiver um, and, and get some meaningful snaps relatively early, depending on how they feel about him. I think the reason he, a lot of the reason he fell, he ran a 4 seven forty at the combine and that probably stood a lot of people off, but that's, that's not who he is. He's a, he's a tough, um, you know, I, when I was watching him, I thought maybe a, a shorter, you know, a little bit smaller Anquan Bolden as far as how, how he played the game. So um, I think it's a really nice value and I've been scooping him up in the late fourth, wherever I can um, just based on maybe he has some, a little bit of 2020 value should, Something happened because Marvin Jones is no spring chicken. You mm-hmm. know, Amendola, Marvin Hall, those guys that are, you know, on the way out, I would say. Maybe not so much Marvin Jones, but certainly the other two. Yeah, I was really hoping that he would have fallen to me in my most recent rookie draft here, and uh, he just didn't, uh, which made me sad because he's that was probably my only opportunity to, uh, to draft him at this point. Because uh, I agree. I think he, maybe not this year, has great value but i think give him a year or two to kind of develop in the league and 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 learn from very good wide receivers like galladay and marvin jones and he could be a a decent fantasy contributor in the future um he may end up having more real nfl impact than fantasy impact but uh, yeah i really i really like him if things stay the same in 2021 uh in terms of they don't add any significant wide receivers to the draft. Obviously, this is not a prediction. But if that happens, I'm so fucking on Quintus <laughs> Because, yeah, he fell, uh, as you alluded to, because of his, his speed or lack thereof, too. And also, maybe some of the off-the-field issues had some, some contributions to that. Um, I, I would be very excited if all of a sudden one of those other guys, Marvin Jones, uh, is out of the picture and Quintus gets a, gets a shot. Mm-hmm. And he'd likely be pretty cheap too. So I mean, you're not. It's very low risk, high reward. Mm-hmm. What, what better pick? You know, I could take in a 
later round and just stash a guy like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that name is just glorious, too. You want a Quintez Cephas on your roster. You know, it's just good vibes. Mm-hmm. You don't want it on your medical chart, but on a fantasy roster, maybe. <laughs> oh, no, you got the Cephas? Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so do you guys think that uh, Stafford's actually going to be able to stay healthy and his back is going to hold up this season? Uh, it's been two years in a row now that he's had some of these lower back issues. Uh, he was playing lights out. I mean, he was dominating, you know, the first half of the season this last year. Thoughts on Stafford? Yeah, I I love Stafford as a, as a fantasy quarterback, as a guy you can, you can get after, like, the first 15 guys, you know, because they're all pretty much lumped in. you got your veterans. you got your, you know, mm-hmm. your, your Drew Locks or Minshews or guys like that. Um but they started slinging the ball around more, and, and Stafford got back to, you know, having some good, relevant, you know, fantasy value. He was my third quarterback, and I loved it in uh, Scott Fishbowl, and then he got hurt, and then everybody, everybody on my team got hurt. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was not, yeah, I lost Roethlisberger week one, and then lost Stafford. Oh. Yeah, it was not good. Oh. I started David Blau on Thanksgiving. I'm just, oh. yeah. We'll, That's we'll rough. leave it at that. <laughs> If that beer wasn't so good, I'd pour one out for you, but it's it's too good to pour out. I got spotted cow in the fridge. I'll go get another one. Okay. Oh, oh, uh, hey, uh, uh, Wisconsin offering right there. Uh, you know, Stafford, too, before he got injured, we talked about this on our quarterbacks episode. He was the QB6 prior to that injury. Like you said, they were letting – kind of letting the reins off a little bit. They let him do – what we saw earlier in his career, which was nice, because I didn't know if we were ever going to get that again. Um, and so, yeah, if he can, if that back can hold up, I would be more than fine having him. Like, if you're waiting on QB, especially in redraft leagues, uh, all Stafford for me would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Any final thoughts with Detroit here before we move on? I don't have a flush the toilet sound effect for you, but and they don't have any chant that I can make fun of, so I'm out. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to the other hated team here of the division, uh, the the Bears, the Bears. So they their notable losses here uh, this off season were Chase Daniel, Taylor Gabriel, and Trey Burton. Again, I don't know how notable they are. Uh, notable additions, uh, Nick Foles, Ted Ginn, and Jimmy Graham. Kevin, why don't you start us off with your thoughts on uh, those transactions? Good luck with Jimmy Graham. That's all I say. Because, good Lord. He, <laughs> he's a walking corpse right now. Pretty much. He's just, they, they got a statue on a cart, and someone's just wheeling it out. But that's, that's pretty much Jimmy Graham right now. But, um, yeah, they, they wanted to come out and establish a narrative that, oh, Jimmy Graham, he's still got that speed. Um, well, uh, where the hell was he for the last two years? Yeah. <laughs> it certainly wasn't there, and he's not going to, you know, find the fountain of youth now. Um, I, I, how, how many tight ends do they have on the roster now? They have what, I think, 47? I years? seriously think it's 10. Um, and I think that's the only reason they had to pick him up and draft one is because they were under their quota. And there's something stipulated that they have to have that many tight ends on their team. So that's the only reason they picked them up. 
Oh, fuck, you guys. We've fallen to single digits. Call somebody. Who's available? I don't know. Jimmy Graham? Sure. Bring him on. Pick him up. That is the, that is the, the Chicago Bears philosophy on tight ends. In total, it's just that scene from Dumb and Dumber where they're driving down the street and they see those people on the side <laughs> of the road. And it's just every tight end they see is just pick them up. Because who, who gives a shit? One of them eventually has to hit, right? Um, but they lost Trey Burton, and so they did the swapsie. Uh, which is too bad. I remember liking Trey Burton a couple years back, mm-hmm. thinking that he could do good things in Chicago. Didn't pan out. But those were the days. <laughs> those were the, the day. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. I was a believer in him as well, thinking he was going to be the next up-and-coming tight end. Hopefully he can get his career back on track here uh, in Indianapolis, but we shall see. He's got to stay healthy first. Uh, maybe that's just the curse of the Bears is that their tight ends can't stay healthy. That's right. <laughs> so what are your guys' feeling on this uh, quarterback room here for this upcoming season? Is it going to be... BDF starting for them, or is it going to be Trubisky? I got flip a coin because you know I hate Mitch Trubisky. I don't really care for Nick Foles. I don't see any upside with either of them. We've seen what Trubisky can do, and. I just think Matt Nagy's going down with the ship. If it's this year, if it's not this year, if it should be this year, if they're, mm-hmm. well, I'd say if they're smart enough, but here we are, they just <laughs> traded for Nick Foles. So, um, you know what? I think Trubisky probably starts week one, and then Foles, you know, maybe week three, and then we have just a flip-flop. Mm-hmm. Who honestly knows? Who honestly cares at this point? It's... It's really a wash for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to end up being like a eight and eight split as far as started games for the quarterbacks. It's it's going to be the whole um, Fitzmagic and Jameis Winston uh, from a couple years ago, where it's oh you're playing shitty this first half, pull him, get the other guy in there, and it's just going to flip flop the entire season. And I am staying as far away from that quarterback group as I can get. Except the other guy in this scenario is not going to come in and throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns in the second half. This is true. The other guy is either Nick Foles <laughs> or Mitch Trubisky. Uh, and so it's just going to be bad all around. Mm-hmm. I would say from a fantasy perspective, though, I would rather have Nick Foles starting for the other assets on the team than have Mitch Trubisky starting for the duration. Although, and I say this with the asterisk, but obviously Allen Robinson did very well for fantasy owners last year. With, with Mitch and his awfulness under center, benches as wide receiver eight. So not to take that away from him entirely, but I do think Foles gives that group the best chance to uh, to light up your fantasy scoreboards. Um, and it may not be the most exciting thing, but, but for consistency's sake too, I think Foles would, would be my preference there at quarterback. Do you guys have a preference for who you would rather see just strictly from a fantasy perspective? Go ahead, Kevin. Uh, for fantasy, I probably lean towards Foles because he's, you know, Allen Robinson is quarterback proof. I mean, we pretty much <laughs> we saw that last year after his ACL injury. He had that he had his eighteen where he was kind of getting things back on track, and then nineteen he really showed his two thousand fifteen form. Um, 
So for you know for for fantasy value and providing that to the receivers, um, I would take Nick Foles over Trubisky certainly. Yeah, same here, same here. I know we already touched on Allen Robinson. Any of those other wide receivers are going to have any sort of fantasy value this year? I love Anthony Miller all day long because um, he he was getting talked about as you know pretty much being the one of the one of the most talented wide receivers coming out of that class. And look at the last four or five weeks of 2019 where he really showed out and uh, dude won me a league. Um, you know, I think they've got a really good two in Anthony Miller, and I think I feel, almost feel bad because, you know, Robinson's quarterback group, and I'm not quite sure about Miller. I, I'd like to see him in, in a better – because if he was in a better uh, offensive environment with a better quarterback, we'd be talking about him as being potentially maybe a top 24 wide receiver. Now he's just kind of on those wide receiver three fringes because um, I think a lot of people are scared off about that quarterback situation with Foles and Trubisky. Uh, but talent-wise, Anthony Miller, I will buy him all day long. Mm-hmm. I was so excited for Anthony Miller last year. I remember these, uh, these off-season episodes talking up Anthony Miller and how I was foolish enough to believe that Anthony Miller could surpass Allen Robinson, at least in terms of red zone usage. Right. And he, he would be the touchdown guy there, the touchdown king in Chicago that obviously did not uh, pan out in, in any sort of way. Um, but, you know, he did have issues with his shoulder last year, too, which probably hampered it uh, a little bit down the stretch there. Um, so if, if he's I believe he got uh, surgery on that shoulder, though. So hopefully everything's well on that front. Uh, I. I Look, nobody's talking about him. Nobody really has much value placed on him from what I've seen. So I'd, I'd be happy to get him at the cost that you're getting him now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right. Then the now the, the other burning question, David Montgomery. Is he going to live up to his potential this year? I think the fact that Chicago did not draft a running back uh, speaks volumes about what they think about him. Uh, and I am all in on him this year as a probably ending up as a mid-range running back in that 15, 12 to 15 range, kind of flirting with the an RB1 because uh, he had the volume last year. And then I think he, he gets uh, better efficiency and with a better quarterback, and I used air quotes, you guys can see it when I said better quarterback, um, with a better quarterback that's able to dump the ball off and actually hit him as opposed to throwing it 10 yards in front of him. Uh, I think that should help him and his production this season. I do like David Montgomery as a, as certainly as a buy because, you know, you're seeing everybody has the rookie fever and they're looking at last year's guys like, oh, they're trash, get rid of them, sell them off. Um, so you, you can get a great return on investment um, just for where he is. The fact that he didn't, you know, the Bears didn't draft a running back. Um, he's still going to get about those 250 carries. He's, I would, I would hope he can improve on his efficiency because, you know, he, he was, I hate to use his yards per attempt, but he was, uh, I think, 3.7. But, you know, 
with, with some of the improvement in the offensive line, maybe Foles makes the passing game a little more legitimate and gives him more room to op- to gives Montgomery more room to operate. Maybe they use Tariq Cohen more creatively, um, you know, which is only going to help him too. So, you know, as far as a return on investment, maybe not so much because he does have talent. Montgomery definitely has the talent to be a successful running back. Maybe he's not going to be that RB one guy, but, but he can be a steady RB two, and you'll you'll take that in fantasy. But right now, with people selling off. Uh, you know those 2019 draft guys um, wanting something the new the new the hotness however you want to put it um, you can get a really good return on investment uh, by buying David Montgomery right now. Mm-hmm. How about you, Jake? Fully agree with that. Yeah, fully agree with that. He's his price is just too low. But it's a, yeah, and I'm not going to hype him up as a, a top 12, even a top 15 guy. Truthfully, I don't know that his ceiling is there anymore. Um, but but people are looking at him as too much of a plotter. Like I honestly think people are looking at David Montgomery like he's Frank Gore all of a sudden. Well, he's fine if you have to put him in your lineup. I guess you should. He's much better than people are giving him credit for, uh, and I do think he could improve. So yeah, he finished RB twenty four last year. I think he definitely could improve on that this year. Uh, I just floored myself by looking up those rankings. Did you guys know that Ronald Jones finished his RB25 just behind David Montgomery? Because that blew my world. That's Why? absolutely wild. Is that, I yeah. Couldn't believe it. Uh, I know this is not uh, a time to talk about Tampa Bay, but I had to throw that out there because holy fucking shit, I couldn't believe that. <laughs> um, but more interesting and relevant to this, I saw Tariq Cohen finished his RB27, and nobody's talking about nobody's talking about Montgomery. Nobody's talking about Tariq Cohen mm-hmm. uh, in terms of being a valuable asset. And we look at what they did or didn't do in the draft. He is a guy that I'm all about going to get. I had been trying to sell him in some leagues uh, as kind of an extra piece to get trades done, and nobody wanted anything to do with them. And I'm kind of glad now because I think a hold, it's not like they added much in the way of pass catchers. They put Cole Komet, uh, the second-round second tight end in there. Other than that, things have stayed I guess you got Ted Ginn. Um, he could be a great pass catcher again. He could easily finish high upside RB, mid-range RB2, low-end RB2. So I'm also interested in Cohen. Yeah, I think people are off on him because they really got burned last year. After the previous season, he was whatever, like RB13 or something like that was – or maybe he was actually an RB one. I don't. I don't recall exactly, but he had that just phenomenal season, and I, everyone was all about it. And then, obviously, this last season fell off a bit. I think people are burned on that, and just burned on the whole uh, offense in general. So yeah, I think I agree. He's a good value pickup right now. That uh, come flex season, uh, he'd be someone you could stick into your flex uh, without an issue uh, during all those bye weeks. Yeah, I think Cohen's uh, kind of downturn from 2009 really stemmed from just the offensive, the full offensive ineptitude. Because um, he had more targets than he had in 2018. He had more receptions. Um, they just, you know, certainly didn't go as far. Um, they didn't use, utilize him on the ground as much last year either. Um, so, you know, if, if they do put in Foles and he can maybe make this offense a little more efficient, 
you're going to see across the board, you know, maybe not so much Allen Robinson, but those ancillary guys like a Miller, like a Cohen, um, more room for Montgomery, maybe, you know, Komet or Graham or whoever the hell they throw out there. Uh, <laughs> but, but you'll see, though, it's going to affect the offense as a whole with, you know, not the main studs, but the guys – you know, the Millers, the Cohens getting a chance to really show what they can do. And Cohen is electric in space. Mm-hmm. Let's get that right. He's, he was completely underutilized in the office, offense last year. I mean, uh, I would I would watch Bears games and just, uh, you know, they'd be throwing Montgomery in two yard, you know, right in the middle, two yard gain, two yard gain, Trubisky incomplete. Where, where the hell is Tariq Cohen? And for, you know, he, he finished what? It was an RB 20. Nine, you said? 27. 27. That's, that just seems wild to me, considering how many Bears games I watched and just he was just not a factor. And just he, he's completely underutilized. He needs to be used more. And hopefully, you know, they can find some more efficiency and get those guys going. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. I know we already touched on the draft a little bit here for the Bears. Uh, they took Cole Komet in the second. First tight end off the board. They love their tight ends. And then in the fifth, they took a wide receiver, Darnell Mooney. Um, I don't see much of him. That's more of a depth piece, maybe a special teamer. But uh, Cole Komet, um, I have to say, I was I was a little surprised, especially after they picked up Jimmy Graham this offseason. And I know they still have uh, Adam Shaheen on the team, which he, he has flashed in the past. I don't know why he's not getting a chance to show what he's got. What do you guys he's think? Bad. We went to the Bears and now he's bad. Every <laughs> tight end that goes to the Bears, they're bad. So if you were good before going to the Bears, you're going to be bad coming out of it. Uh, that's They picked up Jimmy Graham and immediately went, oh, fuck, that's right. If we pick them up, they become bad. So then they, they knew they had to get another guy, forgot that whoever they're going to get in the draft is also going to be bad, and just went for it. That's my thought. Well, you know, and if and if you are good for Chicago, you get traded like Greg Olson. Um, so you know what? I do like Komet. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna be there as a blocker, and he's a solid enough receiver. You know, those Notre Dame tight ends are pretty good. Um, I will say that. So you know, maybe he continues that kind of lineage. But um, you know, I just don't know what he's gonna do on day one or even in twenty twenty. If he's even, you know, I, I don't, he's not going to be fantasy relevant, but, you know, maybe in 2021, once they, you know, get that, you know, room cleared out in the tight end room. But, uh, yeah, Komet's not bad. And Mooney, you know, he showed 4-3 speed uh, from Tulane. He's a good developmental guy. Maybe he can show, you know, be kind of a Taylor Gabriel replacement. Maybe not so much now, but, you know, maybe in the future. But, you know, they, they don't have a lot at receiver outside of Miller and Robinson. So, um, you know, he's a solid develop, developmental guy that, you know, you got he has those traits and you can kind of cultivate them. But who knows if they're even going to be in the same, uh, you know, with Nagy if he sticks around. Who, mm-hmm. who knows what's going to happen. But solid enough pick, you know, day three. Mm-hmm. All right. Any last thoughts about Chicago before we move on to the main event here? still suck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we are. Main event, moving on to Green Bay. Our all favorite team here. So for those of you that don't want to hear us drone on for the next 
hour or two uh, about the Packers, uh, feel free to uh, to pause this right now and shut it off. But please don't. I don't want that to happen. But um, just listen to it in increments like a goddamn champion, because what we're about to spew here is going to be so worth your goddamn time. You won't know what to do with yourself. So listen to it in in three hour spurts. All right, so notable losses for the Packers here, uh, free agency, Geronimo Allison and Jimmy Graham, and then they picked up Devin Funches in free agency. Um, not very big moves there um, as far as uh, the team goes for a team that was literally one half away from the Super Bowl. Uh, obviously, with Allison leaving, they needed to pick someone up to replace him so that's where Funches comes in I actually don't hate the move um, what do you guys think about the Funches addition I don't particularly hate the move either but it just kind of speaks to where they are as far as acquiring talent off of free agency that um, they want to kind of it almost seems like dollar store rummaging because right now Devin Funches is a reclamation project and, you know, if he can reclaim some of that value ahead in Carolina, great. And it'll probably be good enough to be the wide receiver, too, in Green Bay uh, with what they saw from MBS and uh, maybe Lazard, too. But just I, 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 I haven't been the biggest fan of Gutekunst, at least in this lat, in 2020, for how he's approached everything. Um, I hope I get proven wrong, but... You know, the ghost of Devin Funches doesn't really – it doesn't excite me, but I get the move. He's a big-bodied – you know, he's, he's going to be what they tried to do with Jimmy Graham and be a box-out kind of wide receiver for Rodgers to just chuck the ball up to. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. You need those guys, even though they've got about 7,000 of those guys already. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's not exciting, but I, I get the move and for the money they paid. It, it's it's a solid move that could pay for a decent dividend. Mm-hmm. I agree. How about you, Jake? What do you think? Yeah, this definitely seemed like they were heading in a very specific direction, even during free agency prior to the draft that, that we didn't see or we weren't privy to. I heard somebody say uh, the other day that last year, Gutekunst went and got all the guys on the defense to really fit what Pettin wanted to do on the defense. And we saw that bear fruit. And this year it seemed like he asked LaFleur, what do you want to do on offense? And he went and got or didn't get uh, the guys that would allow him to operate that kind of offense, which seems like it's going to be super run heavy. It seems like it's going to be maybe built on play action. Um, they've got all the big bodied guys there. Like you talked about already, Kevin, that's, that's all they have basically. I was just talking last year. I was excited for Funches, though, a little bit um, from a real fantasy or a real football perspective to go to Indianapolis because mm-hmm. yeah, it seemed like he could operate as maybe a little faster version of a tight end, uh, not by much, but a little bit faster of a, of a tight end. And it seems like that's what they're bringing him in for. This, to me, the thing I'm most excited about, if you can be excited about anything that happened this offseason, is I hope that this means – Equinamius St. Brown is coming back with all the thunder and lightning. You know, that he's he is the guy that they thought he was last year or the year before, and 
hoping that he can bring some zest to this offense because otherwise it's going to be going to be real distressing to watch on Sundays. I feel mm-hmm. like he had even more of a rapport in 2018, you know, toward the end, and then MVS did. You know, they had to kind of throw those rookies under the fire. Um, I was at that San Francisco game. I think it was EQ that caught that uh, that uh, back shoulder fade to to kick the field goal on Monday Night Football. I was right. I was probably three rows up watching him catch that ball in front of me. I mean, uh, EQ with I mean six five. He's got speed. I really like him as a developmental guy, and I've got him stashed away in Dynasty. Um, and you can get him, geez, maybe in your last five rounds or so, and nobody's thinking about him. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, us Packer fans, we know all about him. But, you know, I it's really a toss-up because you could – maybe Lazard kind of got the leg up on everybody as far as who, outside of Adams. But after that – it's anybody's ball game, and why not him? We've seen what MBS can do. You know, if Kumro's going to make the roster, Funchess, he's going to be around because they invested a little bit into him. But um, yeah, I, I really do like EQ um, as a guy that you can basically get for free and get something out of him. Mm-hmm. Dustin, not to lead you into a question. But I'm going to lead you into a question. Doesn't okay. this kind of seem like we know with Rodgers, his big thing is he needs the rapport, like you already said, mm-hmm. right? He needs the rapport with guys, and they didn't trust that rookies would come in and be, and be able to to give him that. Regardless, that was their philosophy for for why they didn't draft guys, right, or bring in too many free agents. So, Dustin, do you think then that the guys that are there that have the rapport, and I do want to speak specifically about Lazard do you think that this gives him the shot to actually have real consistent fantasy relevance then I don't know about fantasy relevance uh, he might be in a decent flex option but I think the way that they're turning this offense into a more run heavy as we said and and play action that it's not going to be Rogers slinging the ball 50 times a game you know, from a few years ago with McCarthy. That's just not going to be his game anymore unless they fall so far behind that they're forced to do that. But even then, I don't know if Lafleur would just tell Rodgers, go no huddle shotgun and just, just sling the ball down the field. Those days are behind us. So while Lazard could have some fantasy relevance, and he definitely has the inside track outside of Adams, I just I don't see it, at least for this year. And it's really funny, too, because for how long have we been chasing, in fantasy, the wide receiver two in Green Bay mm-hmm. being something? I tweeted something maybe a week ago about a guy with a with a headband. He's got a carrot in front of him, and I put the Packers wide receiver, two. That's what we've been doing. We were, Last year we were talking about Allison and MVS, you know, being that guy who's going to be the target, you know, who's going to get 90 to 100 targets outside of Adams. And it's just we got to kind of forget that now with, mm-hmm. the, with the philosophy change. You know, it's it's not that type of offense anymore. Really, who can you trust outside of Adams and Aaron Jones? Really can't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. I want to trust really badly Jay Sternberger. And if we are going to mm-hmm. see the type of offense that the floor used in Tennessee, hopefully that means that they'll get the tight ends involved 
it sucks because obviously he missed the majority of his time in his rookie season. So there wasn't that chance to get the rapport going between him and Rogers, but God damn, they don't have any other options. Obviously Jimmy Graham, we talked about got let go. Um, Sternberger's the guy they drafted a guy in the third round. Sorry to skip ahead a little bit here, Dustin, but uh, that Josiah DeGuara, um, who has to have a beard down to his fucking ankles with that kind of beard, by the way. <laughs> uh, but he is drafted in the third round, but supposedly to be more of the Kyle Hughes check kind of guy. So hopefully this means we finally get Jace uh, experience that I was hoping for a little bit last year. Yeah, I know he was injured, you know, for a majority of the season, but we did see him uh, start to get more snaps come the, the end of the season and into the playoffs, which was really nice to see. So I, I think that bodes well moving forward for this upcoming season. I like him a lot, too. And you throw him in the slot, for all I care. Um, I just want to see him move around the offense and be a weapon. I mean, they obviously invested the draft capital in in him, too. So um, I just want to see him be a weapon in the offense because, you know, he's got as good of a shot as anybody to, to, to be that, and he's being drafted outside, just outside the top 20 tight ends. I mean, if you can get him for – you can get him for almost nothing now. Maybe not so much in Dynasty just because of, you know, the hype that he's been getting is kind of a sleeper. You might have to pay a little more if you really wanted to get him. But at least in redraft, you know, you're, you can probably get him with your last pick and be a lottery ticket. I mean, why the hell not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. That, I think that a lot. All right. Well, let's just introduce the draft portion here and then we can kind of go off on tangents uh after this i've been kind of avoiding this um but in the first round we do we do we're professionals here um (laughs) barely don't put that on me dustin i won't stand for it so in the first round we've got jordan love quarterback uh in the second round we drafted a running back aj Dillon, and in the third round jake as you said uh tight end josiah deguara uh, I know all of us Packer fans were really hoping that they would go out and add some skill position players to the offense, and they did, just <laughs> not in the way we were hoping. Uh, I Every time I look at that draft board, I just am still flabbergasted at, at what they were thinking. Uh, Kevin, any uh, insight uh, on what Goody was uh, doing there? Uh, needling Aaron Rodgers for one thing. Um, <laughs> as far as George, my favorite quote in this entire offseason comes from Matt Waldman talking about Jordan Love, and he basically said that arm strength is quarterback cleavage. Uh, and, that's what <laughs> lead, and that's what leads me to believe that Gutekunst in that front office was so enamored with Jordan Love and his arm that they failed to kind of see the warts and were just fixated on that that quarterback cleavage and you know what you can say all you want about maybe the Colts talking about trading up to take love but to be able to draft love with that draft capital knowing you just signed your uh, future Hall of Fame quarterback to an extension and pretty much and getting rid of the most valuable asset that you have with young quarterbacks that you feel can be your next guy which is the rookie contract and being able to pay guys mm-hmm. outside of that is just it's it's mind-boggling honestly um you know I, do i think jordan love could be something in this league absolutely 
um, you know, he's he's got a lot of work to do to do that. But for Green Bay to take him here with so many glaring needs, and they were a half away from the Super Bowl mm-hmm. last year. So now you're basically, in my mind, hitting the reset button on everything, and you're being you're you want to try to emulate the Kyle Shanahan offense in San Francisco and run the ball and wear leather helmets and pretend it's 1921 again. (laughs) But, you know, you still have to have skilled position guys to do that. And it's sure. Good luck. Good luck. I hope I'm proven wrong. Sure. Should be the entire slogan for the Packers draft this year. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a way to do it. Uh, (laughs) I, I, I am curious what everybody thinks about. So Jordan Love, like from a dynasty perspective, I was almost forced to pull the trigger on him in a, a recent rookie draft because he fell to the middle of the third round in a super flex. And I just felt, well, sure. Yeah, he, you know, I might as well take him and, and I'll stash him because truly I don't know what the fuck they're going to do with Aaron Rodgers at this point. It's so many mixed signals being sent out that you, you might as well have him just in case he does become the guy, I think, sooner than people think. Um, so Jordan Love, obviously, we all hope and pray that he will be a real fantasy-relevant guy for at least a couple of years. But A.J. Dillon not only has the chance to be the guy next year after Aaron Jones' contract is done, but he could be a guy this year who provides some value, maybe especially at the goal line, maybe as more of a replacement for Jamal Williams. Where does everybody fall with A.J. Dillon? Go ahead, Kevin. I do. Oh, sorry. I do like AJ Dillon. He was when when Green Bay picked him. I was actually pretty excited about that pick because, as much as I love Aaron Jones, I just don't think they're going to pay him the money that he's going to want um, to stay in Green Bay. So this kind of was writing on the wall a little bit. But even if they don't, even if they do sign Jones, you've got a t- nice tandem of thunder and lightning, if you will. Um, but yeah, I think Jamal Williams is kind of long. It is done after this year. That kind of pretty much puts the nail in the coffin, I would say, for him in Green Bay. Um, but Dylan, Lafleur likes to run that inside zone, and Dylan is made for that. He's made for falling forward. Um, me being from Syracuse, I watched AJ Dylan with Boston absolutely trample Syracuse, um, and he just looked basically like a man among boys. Um, and so if that's if you can look forward to that, if you can find that on YouTube somewhere, Boston College versus Syracuse from 2019, watch AJ Dillon just absolutely destroy a bad Syracuse team. That's that is your ceiling. Your ceiling is maybe a Derrick Henry light. Yeah, he's not going to be used in the receiving game, um, but as far as a tough, big, fast guy that you know he can make a defense tired in the third end of the fourth quarter because that's seemingly what they want to do now is just to bully you in the front and just wear you down and wear you down and then let Rodgers uh, or Love whatever the case may be uh, you know in the fourth quarter just uh, trample over uh, a tired defense Dylan's going to be perfect for that yeah, I, I think what you said uh, at the beginning there, that the writing's on the wall for either Jamal Williams and or Aaron Jones. You know, they're both going into the last year of their rookie contracts. And basically, I see this as they're not going to want to pay Aaron Jones what he's 
going to be asking for, although that could change with how the running back market has been in free agency lately, but uh, we can hope at least because I'd love to see him stick around. Um, but if he doesn't, I could see them re-signing Jamal Williams as kind of the, the pass catcher then, uh, even though that's not necessarily his his big pay. But he he was, you know, competent at it last year. Uh, that we saw last year when he got the chances to get those catches. I thought mm-hmm. he looked he looked fairly all right. I think he just didn't he didn't look sexy about it. Uh, he didn't break off a bunch of runs after the fact. But I thought he looked good. Mm-hmm. He's a grinder through and through. You know, with some with some receiving chops. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys? How do you think Rodgers is going to uh, finish this year? Uh, now that that his heir apparent has been uh, drafted and and you know he's gonna have that uh, what we're assuming that fire lit under him. Do you think we're gonna see uh, vintage Rogers this season that mid to upper QB range or is it gonna be more of that 10 to 12 range? I mean I still think that you know Rogers is, a solid. I mean, he's a good, he's a quality quarterback. But for fantasy purposes, I um, I'm doing my redraft rankings right now, and right now I have him at QB 14. Um, I think he can be. You know, he he's going to get drafted higher on name alone. Let's but let's let's forget about the last almost 10 years of Aaron Rodgers and look look with the scheme change now and what he has on offense. He can only throw to Devontae Adams so many times. Um, clearly they want to run the ball a lot more um, and grind it out. So is he get, you know, he's not going to hurt you with interceptions, but you know, his, his fantasy points per game certainly might be down. Uh, I had, like I said, I have him outside my top 12. I think you can pair him with a, with another, you know, maybe an up and coming guy like a Drew Locke or somebody like that and be, and be perfectly fine um, at the position. But do I think he's an every week starter? Uh, jury's still out on that, but I would probably skew toward no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I actually, yeah, I actually traded him uh, this uh, in Dynasty uh, just because he wasn't reliable this last year at all. I mean, he had a couple phenomenal weeks, which were, were you know, getting that blast from the past, but he didn't really kill you many weeks either, but uh, he definitely didn't have the upside that you're used to. Uh, so, yeah, I decided to cut bait on him while he still had that name value and, and was able to get a good return for him. So last year, let's just talk about last year it was fine for fantasy. It was fine because you had a couple of those blow-up games like you're talking about. He finishes the QB9, which I think is it, it looks a lot better on paper than how it actually transpired throughout the season. Mm-hmm. He had only two games with more than 400 yards one of them was that great game against oakland that looked like vintage rogers perfect passer rating uh five touchdowns looked amazing uh you know him and flew around the sidelines looking very jovial and happy um but also the majority of his games he finished with less than 250 yards uh and and not many touchdowns to speak of so if that was then and now they say they want to run even more and they want to rely even more on that sort of Tennessee-ish offense. Uh, yeah, I'm fully out on him as a top 12 guy this year. 
I would struggle, I think, to put him in my top 15, which is so fucking sad to say. I, I really look at him more like a Kirk Cousins kind of guy. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he barely threw for 4,000 yards last year. I mean, any usable quarterback, I mean, you, it's it's really sad because, you, you know, we've all grown up. You know, we've seen Aaron Rodgers, you know, from 2008 on, you know, being this, you know, rock star, you know, slam dunk guy. And he's been quarterback one how many times. But it's it's that time. It's, it's Aaron Rodgers is not a QB one. And it's sad to say, and but it's just it's reality, and you kind of have to see it. He's, you know, I think he had that Giants game. We had four touchdowns too. He had that Eagles game when they were down on Thursday night. And he had over 400 yards, so he has flashes of that. Of that, but you know, like Jake said, with the offense being, you know, turned into what it's going to turn into, you know. That's we're gonna wish for that this year mm-hmm. by the by the looks of things. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it hurts my heart, it really does. <laughs> but you know, if, if we end up winning a Super Bowl, really, can you can you question it and fault it that much? It won't hurt my heart that bad at that point. But uh, for fantasy purposes, it definitely hurts my heart that uh, Rodgers could no longer be uh, an elite quarterback for me anymore. Well, so we need to be on a little bit more of a higher note because we specifically left the, the Packers towards again for that purpose. So can we at least talk about uh, the, the elephant in the room of Devontae Adams and how no matter what else happens, he's a top, what, six fantasy receiver? Is that still fair? Oh, for sure. 160 targets, you know, if he's healthy, you know, at least – eight to ten touchdowns maybe more he's he's gonna be fed often uh he's gonna be fed early and often and it doesn't matter who you put in front of him because you know he he it doesn't Xavier Rhodes I mean the ghost of Xavier Rhodes he's got all those guys they put their top corner you know it really doesn't matter with Devontae Adams he's still a stud he's still you know has the best footwork of any receiver uh in the league if you ask me the best release to uh, he's going to find a way to get open. He's going to be that rock star, uh, you know, set it, forget it. He's a wide receiver one through and through. And, yeah, he's top six, maybe even up to, like, wide receiver, you know, overall wide receiver four. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I have no issues, even with the offensive philosophy change, that Devontae Adams is going to be awesome and get his. Yep, yeah, absolutely. He is definitely going to get his. Uh, and you have to remember, he finished really well last season, and he was injured for part of the season. And even when he came back, he came back very slowly. Uh, it's almost like he came back a little too early, and they rushed him coming back uh, just because they had no one else uh, as, as a wide receiver on that offense. And then you saw towards the end of the season then, once he got truly healthy again, what he was able to do. Uh, so, yeah, he is locked and loaded, you know, top probably top five for me easy this this upcoming season. Yeah, he was the wide receiver six on a points-per-game basis in PPR leagues last year. And that's like you said, Dustin, where he had the, the couple of games where he was still looking not quite right, wasn't really getting the targets in there. Um, I, it does just suck, though, too, because of the change in offensive philosophy. I wanted so badly to – he could be – it always has the chance to be a top two guy, you know, for fantasy purposes because he is that good. 
um, and he just, for whatever reason, hasn't crossed the thousand yard threshold because of various circumstances. Uh, and that's always the big uh, knock that people have on him. I'm a little more nervous, I think, than the both of you regarding the scheme change um, that he could be a top six guy again, though. I still have him locked in as a wide receiver one, but I think I'm more cautiously optimistic on him, unfortunately. Yeah, it's just wild. I'm looking at 997 yards twice. I mean, that's that's almost, that's so <laughs> difficult to do. You almost have to try to do that. It's yeah. I mean, he had that. Well, he had his blow up season in 2018, and he was, you know, one or two with Hopkins. But um, yeah, he definitely should be more than what he is. And just imagine if they had Adams. If you shift that whole career back, maybe three years, where he maybe he comes in as a rookie in 11 and you know when Rodgers is in his real prime if he they had him and like Jordy now oh my god mm-hmm. you're talking like two three Super Bowls and you know that's <laughs> that's a big point of contention too is how uh, a lot of people want to say oh Rodgers career is wasted he only had one Super Bowl you know how hard it is to win a damn Super Bowl <laughs> yeah <laughs> thousands of quarterbacks who haven't. They will tell you that it is Dan Marino. Ask Dan Fouts. Good lord. Mm -hmm. Um, Ask the Vikings. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Uh, I would like to make that. uh, Could we clip that and just start and end the episode on that? All right. Do you guys have anything else you want to add about the our beloved Packers here? Please make the playoffs. <laughs> yes, no doubt. No doubt. Well, uh, thanks for coming on, uh, Kevin. Uh, we really appreciated the chat here uh, going over the NFC North. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners again where they can find you and, and, and some of the things you do? Well, it was great to be on here, Jake, Dustin. Thanks for having me. Um, you can find me on Twitter at ktompkinsii. I do write for FightingChanceFantasy.com and also ho- uh, co-host a podcast with uh, Scott Fishbowl Nine winner Gary Haddow called the Fighting Chance Live. We live stream every Wednesday. You can find that on Twitter and YouTube. Just search uh, for Fighting Chance Live. You can find uh, my dynasty rankings right now on FightingChanceFantasy.com. Um, and you can find me on Twitter with my bad food takes and uh, me apparently trying more flavors of White Claw. Can I recommend wow. mango? Have you gotten to mango? I've been told mango. I have not gotten that, but I'm going to the store tomorrow. I'm going to look at that, and hopefully uh, my girlfriend doesn't give me the side eye when I want to go back and get more. <laughs> that's a, that's a top-tier claw. She If she gives you the, uh, the side eye, she's not for you, Kevin. I'm saying it right <laughs> now. She, she, I moved out here from New York to, to be with her, so she is the one. I can, <laughs> if, if that's the only point of contention, then I'll, I'll deal with that. But I will get the mango, and I want her to try it too. She hasn't. I think she's still kind of skeptical. I think if, if you can get it in there, it's going to be mango. And I'm just, I'm looking forward to this actually uniting you even more, the two of you. In my heart, that will happen. Oh, it'll happen. I'll make it happen. (laughs) 
All right. Well, thanks again for coming on. And uh, anytime you want to be a guest on the show, don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to have you back. Yeah, likewise, guys, uh, on uh, our podcast. Absolutely. Just uh, let me know, and we'll make it happen. All right. Well, that will wrap us up for this week. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening. We truly do appreciate it. Be sure to hit us up on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcast, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Podcasts, etc. Uh, give us a rate and review. Subscribe to us. Uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, any feedback you guys have for us, uh, you can shoot us an email at dtff at gmail.com and you can hit us up on Twitter our uh, Twitter handle for the podcast is at drinking fantasy and you can find me at FF Dusty Dog and you can find me at Jake Trowbridge and until next week folks keep drinking and talking fantasy football cheers FFers. Bye.